0: Hello and welcome to Eldritch Girls Season 2. I really hope you've missed us. Um, It's been a lot of fun hearing everybody's reactions to the podcast of Season 1. Um, I've got some really cool things signed up for season two, so I'm really excited um, to introduce new friends and uh, old friends. And it'd be just, yeah, it'd be fun. Um, so this season um, is the second novel it's going to be serialized. It's uh, 13th. Very different feel to The Crows, as no doubt you've got a sense of that from the theme tune. Um, the theme tune is again by Gemma Cartmel. And you'll have noticed that it's basically it's The Crows theme tune, just in, with a very different vibe. And that's basically what 13th is. So um, we are revisiting some characters. We're revisiting the setting, but it's a very different story. Um, Two of the characters um, who had a cameo appearance in The Crows. So Katie, who appears at the end of chapter four um, and has one line of dialogue in The Crows. She's a main character and she's now 17 as opposed to 16. as She was in The Crows um that's beverly wen's granddaughter or like i suppose technically great 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 granddaughter but never mind um then you've got wes porter who carrie met in the pub in the crows and he's a point of view character as well um so wes as you have heard from season one um is a bit of a wide boy he he's a dealer he um has a he owns his house in pagamon sea but he also has um, his partner, Charlie, and he also has a boyfriend called Hugo that he didn't mention in the Crows. Um, he doesn't always mention all of his partners. Um, but, like, so he um, he lives with uh, Hugo in London in a penthouse flat. Um, he also has a flat in London. He's a millionaire. He's never worked a day in his life. Um, and he's obviously, obviously a Tory. Um, <laughs> big Maggie Thatcher fan. So... <laughs> That doesn't come out in the in the book, but I think you'll kind of read between the lines. um yeah, so so Wes is a point of view character as well, and that's one of the reasons why it has such a different feel. Um, and Ricky is back, obviously. um so yeah, it's it's a bit more uh family dynamics and interactions. It's a lot of bubblegum body horror, I guess because um it's got a much more kind of um modern vibe. I don't know. I mean, The Crows is modern, but Thirteenth is quite clubby. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, so um, I'm just going to read out the reader advisory content warnings um, that are on the website. I'm not going to read all of them, um, but to give you an idea. um, So it's a book containing weird fiction and gothic horror tropes dealing with familial, familial trauma and generational abuse cycles which explores the toxic dynamics inherent within an inbred family of eldritch horrors and if you've read the crows or you listen to season one you'll know exactly what i'm talking about um as ricky says he's lucky he got away with a second mouth um there is a lot of violence but no sexual threat humor is used throughout by the characters themselves and can be found in their interactions with each other um, but the topics in the book are not taken lightly, nor is it the intent to make light of them. Um, so this is a book for people who find dark humour cathartic and or, and or enjoy pathetic family drama with tentacles. So bathos over pathos. Um, there's a lot of recreational alcohol and drug use with a darker and in one case coercive undertone of context. There's no sex um, nor current sexual attraction between the blood-related main characters who are cousins, Um, but there is a complex history between Wes and Ricky. So that's uh, where you get a bit of um, asexual experimentation as a teenager and that kind of thing in a very kind of messed up family context, Um, an under-socialized context because Ricky is very under socialized um there's what is there there's one on page interrupted sex act which is fellatio between consenting adults in a long term relationship so wes and his girlfriend um, two of the main characters are sex positive and sexually active so wes and katie um wes is an adult playboy uh, with enthusiastically consenting adults and katie is obviously 17 but she's sexually active with teenage boys her own age um there's the central sexless but intimate queer platonic relationship um that developed in the crows and you get to see how that has developed um eight months on um when 13th is set um and ricky is obviously the asexual and aromantic spectrum character um who is very uncomfortable with sex when it's discussed um and i have a full uh i have a full content warning list on my website which is advisory, it's not comprehensive because obviously I don't know what everybody's triggers are. I may have missed your particular one, um, but take it as a general flavour of content and use your own discretion, um, bearing in mind that there are a lot of weird fiction tropes and gothic horror tropes that I play with. Um, so there's a lot of mental and physical health issues that are discussed and explored. Um, some of the main ones um, are issues of emotional dysregulation there's disordered eating, um, there's self-harm, there's um, altered reality, drug-taking, there's some instances of depersonalization, derealisation, um, questioning reality by a POV character. Um, Wes also has some incoherent thought patterns and memory issues relating to his drug use. Um, there's addiction, um, there's um, alcohol use, abuse, relapse, um. There's a lack of self-awareness around that. There is one uh, very, very brief one-line reference to gender dysphoria about uh, an off-page character, or as ex- that was experienced by an off-page character. And there's a lot of emesis, So there's a lot of throwing up um, in general from uh, stress reactions or rotten food or drug trips or whatever. Um, in terms of family dynamics, there's no... Uh, Sexual assault or child sexual abuse. Um, there is the abduction um, of Katie by Ricky, um, so you can kind of imagine the dynamic there. Um, you've got the toxic, dysfunctional, inbred, incestuous sibling cousin monster family, um, a lot of bullying, boundary crossing, um, pretty much what you've got a flavour of in The Crows. Um, but just kind of from their inside perspective. Um, there's a lot of violence, a lot of gore, there's violent death, there's body horror, there's uh, cannibalism, again, um, very strong language throughout. And uh, Ricky's still a soothsayer and he still reads the entrails of animals. So you still have the, um, in this case, you've got some birds going on. Um do read the full list on the website. I won't keep going over the content warnings. Just take it as a, uh, because I, I think um, I'm always worried I'm going to miss things. Um, I'll flag like what I think are the most um, important ones in each chapter as they come up. Um, but so, you know, just so it doesn't blindside everyone. But that's um, overall what you've got to expect. Uh, again, with a book uh, illustrations by Thomas Brown. There are five in the paperback. There are also five in the ebook this time as well. Um, so if you want to grab either one, please do. They do look better full page in the paperback. Just saying. Um, and the cover design is by Rebecca F. Kenny this time. Um, and my editor was once again Charlotte Ashley of thewordmasons.com. So do grab a copy. You can grab them from basically anywhere. Um, you can check out all of my um, website links. Um, you can go to my Kofi, which is kofi.com forward/ Rosens and grab a copy of the ebook and all of my short stories um, directly from me as well. Um, so that's enough of that. Um, part one of 13th, which has 13 chapters. Um, they're very long chapters, so they're very difficult to split up. Um, so I'm going to do it in sections and each uh, episode of the podcast will be about half an hour long. Um, if I, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes, like, like the, the crows was. Um, and I'll try to um, stick within that sort of limit. Um, we'll see how that goes. So um, you're going to end up with chapters that overlap. And some episodes are going to be like in the middle of chapters, but I'm going to do like a POV section, point of view section um, for each, you know, it's not going to, hopefully won't end in the middle of somebody's point of view. Uh, We'll see how that goes. (laughs) Right. Part one. Um, We've got a lot of gore in part one right off the bat. So just enjoy. Um, And... (laughs) Uh, We're kicking off with uh, violent murder, decapitation, etc. Gore all over the walls um, and an abduction. So we're easing you in. Enjoy part one of 13th. War at Last, again. A quote from The End by Salvatore Scabona. Prologue, The End, 14th of May. Gran's house was the oasis of calm Katie Porter craved. She could hide in the guest room, her room, headphones on and music up, pretending everything was fine. She couldn't hear the sibilant hiss of her mother here, complaining about the bloodstains on her father's shirts. There were no low murmurs in college corridors as another missing person's picture was plastered to the walls. She crossed her long, strong legs and stretched out the cramped muscles rubbing her calf. Midnight had been and gone. She dreaded her looming 17th birthday, the days ticking down like a time bomb. Parties sucked, her mum was wound up like a spring, her dad was usually out, and when he was home he was silent. He hadn't said more than three words to her since he picked her up from the ledger centre two days ago. They'd stopped at the traffic lights, and she could hear something muffled and pounding at the boot of the car. He'd said nothing when she looked at him, only stared back at her in tight-lipped silence. Katie had said nothing either. She'd wondered how much this one resembled her. Katie spent as much of her time at Grand's as she could. Besides, it was the good kind of quiet there. The youngest of thirteen, like her mother, Katie luxuriated in the ability to breathe, even if she was the only one still at home full-time. She, like her oldest brother, had been a single birth, not a triplet or a quad or a quin. He was pushing 30 now, and very different to her in terms of personality, but they'd sort of bonded over being the anomalous ones. Katie gave up on revision and studied the fresh cut on her arm where Gran had sliced her. Gran had seemed on edge today. She hadn't been herself all week. The atmosphere in the cottage was off, throwing Katie's concentration as she tried to study. They'd done a ritual together that afternoon, and the resulting wound still itched. Another reason her chemistry flashcards weren't sticking. Wonderwick, the smart two story cottage on Seavy Road, with Gran's paintings filling every crevice and her cooking wafting through the rooms, would be hers one day. That afternoon, apropos of nothing, Gran had told her they were making it official and cut her with a curved fruit knife, smearing her blood on the locks of all the doors. Now the cut was freshly scabbing beside old, faded scars, where Katie, as a tired, miserable child, had once looked for the beast she knew lived inside her. She tried to find it and tear it out but all the blood and flesh got in the way. Gran had put a stop to that. Katie swallowed, resisting the urge to trace them with her fingernail, and pulled her sleeve back down. It was just precautionary, she told herself. Gran wouldn't die or leave her. She needed Gran. Gran was like the cliffs, like the woods, like the ancient long barrows that slept under the cyclical sun. She couldn't die. And yet... Her stomach gave a warning lurch. She couldn't shake the feeling that something was wrong. Everything was in its proper place, the armchair draped in a pink and grey hand-crocheted blanket, the heavy wardrobe half full of clothes and the other half of romance books Gran had finished with, the little combination TV and DVD player Gran had picked up secondhand, the three framed oil paintings of the Weald with Gran's signature at the bottom. Her own cross-country medals glinted, draped over the vanity mirror, Gymnastics, certificates and trophies filled the shelves. Gran collected all of them since Katie's mum said they didn't have room for stuff like that at home. Katie turned onto her back. The ceiling was smooth, crisp and magnolia, familiar and plain. No cracks crept across its surface, nothing to tease her imagination with patterns and faces leering in the lamplight. Are you there, Grandad? she whispered. You wouldn't let anything happen to Gran, would you? Sometimes she heard the voice in her head, answering back like an echo. Grand said this showed she was special. Grandad didn't talk to everyone. Tonight he was silent. Katie bit her lip, nipping the skin away until she tasted blood. Grand's just being careful, right? It's not her time yet. She'll be around forever. Grandad said nothing. Maybe he wasn't listening tonight. Maybe he wasn't there at all. Maybe she was mad. Gran was mad. They were all mad. All the best people are. She turned onto her side, her headphones crunching under her head. She struggled up to switch to earbuds. The cottage was silent. Oppressive emptiness rushed in to fill the gap left by the music. She listened for Toffee, Gran's ginger tomcat, but there was no sound from outside her door. There should be some sound. Gran pottered about downstairs until gone midnight, her low chants and soft muttering always reassuring. Katie frowned, crossed to the door and cracked it open. Gran? Gran's hearing was bat sharp, but there was no response. Katie hesitated, her hands still on the door handle. Her chest tightened. Gran? It came out as a croak this time, quieter than intended. She tried to clear her throat, but her mouth was dry. Heart pounding, Katie crept out onto the landing. Her bare feet made no sound on the carpet, padding slowly to the stairs. It was dark down there, all the lights off. She glanced down the corridor, but Gran's bedroom door was still ajar. Her coverlet turned neatly down. Toffee wasn't in his usual place at the end of the bed, just visible from where she stood. Katie frowned. She was just doing a ritual in the cellar, that must be it. Although the alignments were all out, it wasn't a significant day. No one, to Katie's knowledge, was going through the changes at the moment, and there wasn't any reason for her to be down there. Grandad was silent, the voice absent from her head. She half wondered, in a moment of grossed-out fascination, if that was what Gran was doing, summoning the mythical family progenitor and doing the nasty with unearthly appendages in the deep dark of the cellar below. Her imagination rebelled. Katie crept downstairs, but there was nothing to hear but the rush of her own blood in her ears. There was a raw, meaty smell in the air, like a butcher's shop. Katie recognised it from her dad's garage, her brother Liam's storage unit, the way it clung to Uncle David like cologne. Nausea churned her stomach to water. Gran? Her voice cracked. The living room door was ajar. Gran had been sewing in here this evening, making a costume for little cousin Maisie's school play. Maisie had the part of a cow that said moo and learned stuff about staying safe in the summer holidays. The lights were all out. Stealing herself, Katie swallowed a hard lump of panic and pushed the door all the way open, feeling for the light. She flicked the switch and her fingers came away sticky. Light burst onto a bloody scene, winking off shards of shattered mirror glass. Katie stood still, throat too tight to scream. A chill of dreamlike horror pierced her mind, irrational but from her darkest, most hidden place. Did I do this? It wasn't real. It couldn't be real. It was a scene exactly from Katie's recurring night terrors in which the Beast ripped apart her family one by one, except the Beast was always her. She couldn't have done this. She hadn't changed yet. Someone was here while I was upstairs, she realised, horror prickling the base of her skull and flooding her with electricity. Someone came in here and did this. Gore caked the furniture, soaking into the chintz covers, ragged edged splashes, sprayed over the ceiling, was drying on the walls. Katie stared mutely at her fingers. The stickiness was grey and slightly mucousy. It took her a second to work out it was brain. Shattered bones and a broken ribcage lay in a puddle of fleshy mess on the floor by the armchair. Vertebrae were pulled apart and littered the carpet, and there was no sign of the head. That is, until Katie looked down. Gran's slack mouth gaped inches from her foot, her eyes ripped out of the sockets leaving hollow holes, bloody red mats in her tangled grey hair. Katie couldn't scream, the fist of horror clenching her throat. All that came out was a wheezing squeak. She nearly kicked it away from her instinctively, but her feet wouldn't obey. She stumbled backwards through the door, wiping her hand on her jeans and falling over everything in the hall until she found the front door, and only then did her scream erupt from her bursting lungs as she fled into the night. Did you know that I have Kofi memberships active now? So I have two tiers. That's the Eldritch Seekers tier at £3 per month. And for that, you get Discord access to my Discord server with all the private channels, as well as the public channels enabled. You get exclusive content. And you also get access to links like free beta, audiobooks, um, beta reads, that kind of thing. So you get a lot of exclusive stuff. If you want to join at the Eldritch Family tier, which is the next one up and £5 per month, um, that one also includes handwritten postcards and merchandise that get sent to you by me. Um, Also signed book plates for any books of mine that you have. Um, And you also get postcards from Fairwood House, um, some of which are written in characters. So if that's the kind of thing you like, there are very limited spots for that. But otherwise, you can just leave a tip as a one off in the jar um, as well. And that's perfectly fine and appreciated. Anything would be great. Thank you very much for supporting me um, and for supporting the podcast and for supporting my writing. I really, really appreciate it. You can also look at my Kofi shop and buy all the eBooks through me, and I get all the royalties instead of um, just a percentage. So check that out. If there's anything of mine you don't have that you fancy, especially the short stories which are ninety nine p or one ninety nine, it'd be really appreciated if you bought them direct from me. Um, that way, so the downloads are available as EPUBs and Mobi files, so they're compatible with all e readers and your Kindle as well. Thank you very much. Um, Hope to see you again soon. Bye now.